you guys are doing better than last week. Time change Sunday threw everybody for a loop, but you guys have recovered very well. Looking good today. Where's my love? Come on now. Let's see where I stand with you. That's all right. Thank you. Top of the morning to you. So in this Believe series, we have been going through what is it that we believe as Christians. And if you're not a Christian, this has been a great series for you because you get to see what is this that you all believe? What does this say? So through it, we've talked about the big ideas of the Christian faith. Like, who is God? And does God want to have a relationship with me? How does somebody get into a good relationship with God? How do you get saved? How do you, uh, you know, go through life and navigate your decisions? What is the Bible? Today, we're going to talk about another big subject, and it's just church. What is that? What do you think of when I say church? And I don't want you, you can say it out loud if you want to, but what comes to your mind? For a lot of people, honestly, especially in America, it's a building. Speaking of famous church buildings, anybody recognize this one? Go ahead and say it if you know it. Anybody else? You get, you've saved the whole class. <laughs> this is Notre Dame in Paris. It's not Notre Dame. That's in northern India. That's a college. This is Notre Dame, so there you go. For you, if you have any church background at all, did a church building pop into your head? Do you remember like the first church building you ever went to, what it smelled like, what it looked like, the experiences you had there? That's for a lot of people. Uh, for a lot of the kids who grew up in connection through the various eras of our life, you, if you're one of those, you might think of a school building or a KC hall or um, a movie theater. And so every time you go to the movies and you smell popcorn, you think of, hey, this is church. No, it's just where we met. So for um, other people, it's, uh, it's, church is just what you do on Sunday. It's an event. It's connecting with friends. For you, maybe the idea of Sunday is not just the service, but it's what you did after. You would go to mom's house, grandma's house for a meal around the table. You'd go to Brock's Chicken Inn, or you'd go to the Duke Inn, or wherever it was, and you would all just do something on Sundays, right? Because that was the whole experience. For some people, and I'm sorry if this did this for you, church brings up negative connotations. Longest hour of my life. It seemed like an eternity. How many of you counted ceiling tiles? All right. I hope you're not doing that now, but uh, I, I had my own survival strategies to get through a boring church service, I admit it. Uh, for you, maybe it's the thrill of getting your kids to get to church on time, the thrill of getting your spouse to go to church on time. I don't want to go, but you have to, Brian, you're the pastor. So <laughs> Maybe for you, church brings up that image of arguing with your parents, or maybe it's about... Uh, guilt because you know you should go maybe but you don't there's just all kinds of things that are wrapped up so there's a wide range of ideas around church i think that's fair to say right and uh, we all have our own histories with it we have our own experiences good and bad that just makes it complicated for me when i talk to you about what is the church and what are we together at connection christian church uh, why is it that we automatically think building too when we think church I would think it's fair to say that as I just listen to what a lot of people have in their minds, I don't think a lot of us have an accurate, biblically accurate view of what church is. And I want to remedy that today. So what we want to do is we want to first of all go to Jesus and see what he had in mind when he created church. Because he's the author of what we are doing now 2,000 years later. So if you got one of these, would you find Matthew chapter 16 in your Bible? We're going to find something very important that Jesus said about church. If you've got one of these with the Bible app, we're trusting you that you're not on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram right now, that you're actually going to the Bible app. But So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 16, and as you're finding that, let me just set the setting here. Jesus is with his closest disciples, his closest students, his apprentices who followed him everywhere and saw everything he did. And he's circled up with them, and he's saying to them, let's have a little discussion. And he starts by saying, all right, you guys are kind of out there. What are people saying about the Son of Man? What are people saying about me? 
And the disciples started saying, well, here's, we're, we're hearing a lot of people say, you're a great prophet. Like, you're one of, like, in the spirit of Elijah or John the Baptist, you're one of those Old Testament prophets come back to the earth. And then Jesus narrows it down and says, okay, but you guys, you've been with me from the beginning. Who do you say that I am? And it got quiet for a second. And the apostle, eventually we become the apostle Peter, spoke up. And that's where we're going to see this in verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, <laughs> you're blessed, Simon, of son of John, because my father in heaven revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Right there. I don't know if you know this or not. This is very interesting to me. That right there is literally the first place that the word church appears in your Bible. I'll wait for you if you want to start in Genesis and start reading, but you can just trust me on that. This is the first place in the English Bible that you'll find the word church. And Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. So what do you think Jesus had in mind when he started talking about church and started to teach his disciples about that? Do you think he had the longest hour in the world on Sunday in mind when he created? Do you think he had a building in mind when he said that? Here's, we don't have to guess about this. I don't like to do this very often, but sometimes it's good to lift the hood on the Bible and look inside a little bit more deeply. You may or may not know this, but the Old Testament of your Bible was written in Hebrew. The Jewish people shepherded it along, and, and God used them to bring it to us. The New Testament of your Bible was written in Greek. Matthew wrote this gospel. He wrote it in Greek. Now, I get this question sometimes, too. People are thinking, so did Jesus speak Greek? Jesus probably spoke Hebrew and Aramaic, but Matthew accurately recorded his words, wrote it down, and uh, you don't have to be a pastor to do this, but I will help you with this because you may not have this. You can take a Greek New Testament, and you can read everything the way Matthew wrote it. We've got these ancient manuscripts, and we just translate them in English so we can understand it. We don't want to learn Greek, do we? But let me show you this. This is a picture I took of Matthew 16, 18 out of my Greek New Testament, and I've highlighted one of the words in red there. It looks kind of like English letters, but those are Greek letters, but you probably can get that. That's ekklesion. It's a Greek word, and when the Bible translators were trying to figure out Eng Greek to English, what they did is, in, when they came to that word, they just said church. So that's why you have church in your English Bible, because there's a Greek word there, ekklesion. Now, this is where you maybe want to write some stuff down in your worship folders. Ekklesion means a gathering, a congregation, an assembly of people gathered for a specific purpose. It's not a religious word. It's just a word that means gathering. So uh, when you were in school and you had an assembly down in the gym, and maybe it was an honors assembly, or maybe there was a guest speaker, maybe the principal needed to tell you, boys, knock it off, whatever that was, that was an ecclesion. It was a gathering for a specific reason. When a company of soldiers is called up to active duty, that group is called an ecclesion. It's a group of people committed to a purpose. Uh, just any group of people, when you get together at work in the conference room, you are an ecclesion. You're a group of people gathered together. So back to what Jesus prophesied, Matthew 16, 18, on this rock I will build my ecclesion, I will build my church. I will build my group of people who are gathered for a specific reason with a specific purpose. He did not say I will build my church buildings all over the world. Somehow, somewhere along the way, and it's a longer story than I have time for today, in the English language, church came to be associated with building, 
But church in the Bible does not mean building. It doesn't mean place. It always means people. And this is huge. And you think about that. We, right now, together, are an ecclesion. We, together, are a church. It's not the building at 1332 Fizey that you see when you do Google Street View. It's us. We are the gathered people for a specific purpose. So here's my question. One of many that I have for us this morning, and I'm just asking for you. So what is our gathered purpose? Why are we here? Now, this is what I want you to do now. So we're going to leave Matthew. We're going to go several pages over to Ephesians, something the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians in the city of Ephesus. So if you were to find that, it would be a good idea because we're going to spend some time here. So this is starting in verse 11. And uh, it says this. Now, these are the gifts that Christ Jesus gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastor, teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and such knowledge of God's Son that we'll be complete and mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then on verse 14 and 15, it just basically says when we're mature, we won't be like little kids that can just be fooled into believing anything, that we will not be pushed here and there by every wind of false teaching because we'll we'll know the truth so well that nobody can lie to us and tell us oh this is what you should believe you like, well it's not really truthful and then you go on down as he just wraps it up he says in verse 15 instead we're not going to be immature we'll be mature and instead we'll speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like christ who's the head of his body the church the people he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, the whole church, the whole people are healthy and growing and full of love right there. That's the purpose of church. And I want to walk through it really quickly uh, because there's a lot there. And I know I said a lot of words there. You can go back and read it for yourself later today or this week. And if you've got a little time where you spend the time reading your Bible and praying in the morning, this would be a good one to go back and look at. Because what he's saying is, God gave gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. Now, what's my job? If I'm a pastor in this church, what did he say my job is? Clean the toilets, write a sermon on Sunday morning right before you get here. <laughs> he said my job is to equip the church, the assembled people, to do God's will. Did you get that? Like as a staff member, as a pastor, my job is to work for you, to equip you to do God's work. If you, you want to write this down, this is the key idea for today of the church. The church is God's primary way to accomplish his purposes on earth. The church, not the building, but the people. God's got a mission. He's got a purpose. He's doing something in the world, and it's good. And you guys, and I too, am a part of that. God's given us a mission now, here at Connection, the way we say this, and if you're new here, you're the first time you've heard it. If you've been here a while, you've heard it a million times. But our purpose is to connect people. That's why we took the name Connection. Connecting people to God and to each other through Jesus. It doesn't work if he's not a part of it. But that's our mission, to connect people. And every church in Darden Prairie, O'Fallon, Missouri, the whole world across the last 2,000 years, we have the same mission. We just say it differently for our context. And there are a lot of great churches out there doing a great job carrying out God's mission of getting people God connected to God and each other. But here's what we got to watch out for. If we are on mission, we've got to make sure that we're not at cross purposes. Because if we're not rowing in the same direction, it's really going to be a difficult struggle as a church body. And so there's a woman named Susan Hawks. She said growing up in Minnesota, a.k.a. the land of 10,000 lakes, 
she'd spend a lot of time on the water. Anybody ever been to Minnesota? It's beautiful, I understand. I've never been there, but I want to go. And she, told, she said, when I was little, the first thing they do is stick me in the canoe, but I wasn't big enough to be on either end of the canoe, so they always put me in the middle. But I had a paddle. And she said, invariably, we'd be going across the lake, and I'd be paddling. I would be paddling the wrong direction, right? Kind of like this here. Anybody feel like that's your work group? Right. So she said, I'd be in there, and my parents would be paddling this way, and I'd be paddling this way. And all that effort, as a little kid, she wasn't doing much, but she wasn't contributing anything. She was actually dragging the whole team down. We want to be pulling in the same direction. Now, Susan was writing in a business context, but she said this. Um, well, this might be a silly childhood story. It's metaphoric to, she said business. I would say church as well. All of us have paddling to do, and if we're not rowing in the same direction, we'll struggle. Now, I think we all get that up here. It's a different thing when it becomes, but there's something that's really important to me, and I think we should be doing that, and the church is doing this, and I think we should do that. We all need to be in alignment, not only on what our mission is. God's given the same mission to every church, but I think that God gives a specific job to individual churches within the community. There are great churches here in Darden Prairie just knocking it out of the park, and they've got a thing that God's put them here to do, and we've got a thing that God's put us here to do, and we want to look at what that is, that our vision is. We've got a great team representing you working on what's our next three years look like here at Connection? What's our next 10 years look like? What is it that God exclusively put us here to do? Because we want to do that. I was uh, just out in the community this week talking to different leaders uh, in our churches around here, and I'm just really impressed with other churches and what they're doing as well. And we want to be in partnership with them. I was at Darden Presbyterian Church. You know, they've been 200 years getting ready to celebrate their 200th birthday. I think that's awesome. I would love 200 years from now somebody to go, you remember back when Connection was, you know, in 2019? And so we want to make sure that we're pulling in the same direction. But what happens when we don't? Got a question for you. If we're talking about ecclesion, a group of people pulling in the same direction, what happens when we start thinking, as many Americans do, of church being a building and a program? I can tell you some things that have happened in my experience. When we lose sight of our purpose and our meaning as a church, it shows up in several ways. One of them is we tend to become consumers rather the contributors. I mean, it happens in such subtle ways, but I can say that's one of the, the markings of the American church in the 21st century is that this has happened in a lot of ways. And I wonder if maybe some people think of church, and when they do, they don't even realize they're doing it, but they tend to think of it like a store instead of a church. And you know, like, you go to Target, and you, when you go to Target, you are a consumer, and I want, I'm coming here to find something, and if I can't help it, Lord help me, but then I have to go to Walmart. You know, or I guess I go to Amazon because I don't want to go to Walmart. But that's kind of, you know, you're looking for the right value and you're looking for the thing you want. But what happens when you take that mindset into church? We start to evaluate. You know, I, I, I don't mean this to anybody, if you would say this, but I, sometimes I ask people, hey, what brings you to Connection? And they'll say, like, we're church shopping. Like, okay, I get what you're saying. Like, if you're new to the community or if you're looking for a church you've never been before, you haven't been in a while, or you're, you know, feel like God's saying it's time for you to go do something, I get that you would have to because there are so many to choose from. And I don't envy anyone who has to find a church. But then there comes a time when you, maybe you've seen a lot of places that God says, you know, you could really put your roots down deep here. And then God says, you could really put your roots down deep here. And you just keep going and evaluating. I think at what point have you become a consumer where you're just comparing to see who's got the best deal for you? 
And, you know, you're like, well, we really like that church because the worship is awesome. But then the pastor at that other church is a really good teacher. And then that other church, though, man, their, their children's program is like Disney. So it's like just taking the best of each little. Is that really what God intended for us to do? Is that what he intended for? You know, we become an audience and we rate the pastor. And did I feel goosebumps? And did I cry? And did I, you know, what is that? I think it's so different than what Jesus had in mind for us as a gathering together. When I go back to the earliest church, and you can find this in your Bible in the book of Acts, we find a description that's so different. Randy read from Acts chapter 2 during his communion talk. I want to do the same thing. In Acts 2.44, there's just this powerful picture of the earliest church. Now, they weren't perfect, but they got a lot of things right. Like this, it says, all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. And when I listen to that description, that is a that's an ecclesion. That's a group of people who sound more like uh, a family. Everything in common. They shared everything. They're a community where if you need something, I'm there for you. And if I need something, I know that you're going to be there for me. It's what family does. We're there for each other, and we help each other in those times of need. And we're not consumers just going, well, this is getting a little bit demanding, and I don't come to church to, you know, so no. And you go on down to verse 46. Listen to this. This is awesome, too. It says they worshiped together at the temple each day, like in a big gathering. And then they met at homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. It's like they were saying, once a day is not enough. I love you guys. Why don't you come on over for dinner? We've got soup, and you can bring some bread, and we'll just have a meal together. And it was just a great time of sharing and togetherness. And you know what would really help you experience that here at Connection is if you're not in a Connect group, you need to get in a Connect group. Because that's where we meet together. And we're in homes, or maybe we're in a gathering here at church, but we're eating together. And yes, we're studying the Bible, but we're, we're sharing life. And if you go to the hospital, your group will show up. And if somebody's sick, somebody will be sending food to you. Because that's where it gets real. And that's what God intended. It's not the American culture where we just isolate ourselves from one another. We should be sharing our lives together. And um, in the interest of full disclosure, if you get into a small group, do not come back to me and tell me, you didn't tell me about the people in that group. <laughs> Every group, you know this, I said this last week too, every group has a Cousin Eddie. And as I said before too, if you don't know who the Cousin Eddie is, who is it? It's you, right? I'm sorry, I probably just put some words in everybody's head right now that's seen that movie. But here's the thing, aren't we all a Cousin Eddie to somebody at some time? Most of the time. Hey, here at Connection, we, we put up with each other. We do. We accept each other while we're changing because we all got a lot of growing up to do. And, and that's okay. I got problems and so do you. And we're here for each other. We care for each other. And it doesn't disqualify you from, from being a part of this church because you've maybe got some issues. We all do. You know, God's got a lot of things that he wants to do in us. But another thing that can happen when we start to think of this as a place rather than a people is we can kind of lose sight of our purpose and we can expect to be served rather than to also serve. You know, think of it this way. What if you were, to, you know, after church, you go, you know what, let's go out and get something to eat. And you walk into that restaurant and the hostess has just not even got the time of day for you. And then finally she says, look, we're really swamped. So here's what I'm going to need you to do. Take this towel. I want you to go wipe down that table. And then when you're done, go back in the kitchen if they need some help. You'd be like, no, thank you. I will be going to sugar fire like I should have from the beginning. Because I don't go to a restaurant to serve. I go there to be taken care of. But what happens when you come to church and you think, I come here to be taken care of? I don't come to church to serve. You know, I, I get it. There are times when you come to church and you really need your family to be there for you. And that's what we're there for. 
but is that always the way it's supposed to be? Yeah, I love the opposite of that. I remember at one point in our church, uh, I, I'd seen some first-time guests come in, and so after the service was over, I was like trying to find them, and I couldn't. Fi- I finally found them in the hospitality area, putting things away. I'm like, you know, we usually wait till week two to put people to work, but they said, you know, we've actually been looking for a church where we can serve and be needed, and so I just thought that was great, and they were awesome, and that's kind of the attitude we want to have here. We uh, we're here to serve as well as be served. The other side of that, I, was, I heard from somebody, they, they were at church, and it was a portable situation like ours, and a guy was kind of flustered after church, and it's like, what's, what's going on? He said, well, I asked this guy, a longtime member of the church, hey, can you help me put these chairs away? And he looked at me and goes, oh, I don't come to church to work. I do not do chairs. Okay, maybe you need to find another church where you can just sit, because, you know, at that church, the culture was, everybody's needed, it's all hands on deck. And, you know... I think there's things that people say sometimes, like, you know, we just weren't being fed. And I get that. You need somebody to teach the Bible in a relevant way. But at what point do you learn to feed yourself also? At what point do you take responsibility and say, hey, that group's doing something, and I want to be part of it, and I need to get my hands dirty. I need to help with the mission. Like this, this is Acts 2.45. I keep going back to this because it's just so powerful. It says, uh, everybody in the church sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. I just love that, that there's selflessness. And then down in verse 47, it all just kind of led to this. It said that uh, everybody, they were just praising the Lord, and they were enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord was adding to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this church was such a, like a light, that everybody who wasn't even yet a part of it, just everybody was saying, I like what those guys have. They treat each other with love. They seem to be excited about following this Jesus guy. I want in. And every day they're baptizing people. It was just an amazing time in the church. And I think that that's what God maybe would like to have every church all over the globe be. That light that draws people in and says, God loves you and we love you and you can be part of this family and it doesn't matter what you've done. God can forgive it and it doesn't matter who you are because God can change you and it's going to be so different from here forward. Come on in. Because, you know, the church isn't a movie theater, and we're not the spectators, and we didn't pay a price of admission. And it's, it's not a restaurant where we come in and just sit down and have somebody take care of us all the time. In fact, it's, you know, none of those things. We're not the audience at all. It's not even a place at all. It's a family, and we're together. And together, we want to reach out. The Art and Prairie's got a lot of people who are, you know, going nowhere. And they're facing eternity without God in their life. And that's got to change. And that is why God put us here. And you're part of that. It's not just my job. It's all of our jobs to be sharing love to people around us and saying God wants you to be part of this family, which is why we've got to never lose sight of our mission and purpose because when we do that, we eventually neglect our God-given mission. And we don't ever want that to happen. Pastor Kerry Newhoff, he's up in Canada, and he described something that happened in his church as they started to grow and expand. In many ways, his, his church kind of reminds me of ours. It started smaller than ours, and it started growing, and now it's grown to be rather large. And that's a thing in Canada to accomplish because a lot of people in Canada just don't really care about church. So, but one of the things that he observed in his church is as it grew and they're seeing more people being baptized and more people were coming in, the people who had already been there um, started saying some things that he started hearing. These are all good things that were happening, and even the people who were saying these things would agree to that, but they just started saying things like, it's just not the same anymore. It's getting kind of hard to find a place to park. It's getting kind of hard to find a place to sit. 
I just don't feel like I know everybody anymore. I just feel like there's just so many people, and it's just not the way it used to be. And, you know, I get that. And Kerry Newhoff says, yeah, in his observation, what had happened was some people really enjoy being the big fish in a small pond. And that was going away as the church naturally did its mission and more people came to be part of it. They're suddenly not the center of attention anymore. And their voice doesn't carry as far because there's just so many more people. And, the, and, and I get it here at Connection. We're not what we used to be either. And we're certainly, Lord willing, not what we're going to be either. If we're on mission, this is going to happen to us too. And it already has happened. And here's my encouragement to you. I totally empathize, 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 empathize with you. And you hopefully you empathize, whatever, with me. Sympathize. Let's just change to a different word. But I do sympathize with you, if that's a thing for you. I get it. Um, I've watched other churches go through it. At the same time, who is it that we need to say, you know what, you need to leave because we don't have room for you. Do you want to help me pick who that's going to be? If we're going to be on mission, that's just part of it. And here's what my encouragement to you would be. Just join, be part of the problem. Invite somebody to come with you. <laughs> just, okay, we're going to grow, so I'll just bring somebody. Or if you don't know anybody who doesn't already go to church, don't steal them from another church. Just make sure and make it a point to be here on Sunday and that you will be the person who welcomes the other new people who are coming to make sure that they feel that they are greeted and that there's a place here for them. And you be the first one to introduce yourself and learn their names and make them feel warm and, and fuzzy about here. If you're not ready for that, this might be hard to hear, but I need to say this. Would you ask yourself if it's possible that you've become less concerned with our mission together and more concerned with simply having your needs met? Kerry Newhoff said this in his article. The challenge, of course, is that the heart of the Christian faith is not about satisfying yourself. It's about dying to yourself. I kind of remember Jesus saying something about if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's daily doing that. So somebody once said this, maybe you've heard this before, and it was just a great analogy. They said, is the church a cruise ship? Is it a carnival cruise line? Or is it a battleship? Cruise ship, you go and, man, all the programming is geared for you, and the food is there 24-7, and it's just everything you want. We just want to make sure you're happy. Battleship, you know what it's like. It's a bunch of people on a mission to defeat an enemy, and they're putting their lives on the line, and they're, they're sacrificing time with family, and maybe their lives themselves to do something. And one perspective says, the church is a place where I should feel warm and fuzzy, and it should be all about me. One place says, it's all about the mission. And we're going to take care of each other because we're a team, and I've got your back, and you've got mine, and we're going to accomplish something great together. I think we all would know, at least up here, that's the church. And we need that to move down here. You guys are awesome. You have strengths to complement my weaknesses and vice versa. I love what we've accomplished together. I'm proud to talk about you to other pastors and other churches. There's so many times Jeff, Aaron, and I as staff members, we talk about how blessed we feel here with you guys when we hear other pastors talk about the things they experience in their church. I am in no way disappointed with you. I'm not mad at you. This is not a spanking sermon. I just have to constantly remind us that this is a mission that God has given us, and we need to take it seriously, and I think you do, but it's just a, hey, let's just get after it and do it. You know, sometimes I read the Bible, and I see the description of what church could be, and even as good as it is here, I still think, oh, if only we were a little bit more this. I guess that's part of, as leaders in the church, we're never going to be satisfied, right? We always want to be moving closer to what God wants for us, and I am proud of what you do, 
For example, I love that you are bringing food in for the Operation Backpack. There are kids at Crossroads Elementary, parents maybe have hit a rough patch, and those kids go home with food every weekend because of your generosity. I love it that Hope Food Pantry, when people, again, who've hit a rough patch here in St. Charles County can go there, they can take home food that you brought. I love it that you support the Sparrow's Nest Maternity Home, and those girls who need a place at a difficult time in their life have a place because of you. Or Mercy Multiplied. Or if you think a little bit bigger than that, we think of um, Kathy Sackett doing Bible translation and getting the Bible into a language that people can understand. I think of Paul and Stacy Leonard over in Turkey that you and I partner with through our offerings and through our prayers. And I think of Living Water Christian Mission. There are people in a, a village of Highland and Haiti who are literally in God's kingdom now because of you. Do you get goosebumps when you think about that? Because you were part of that. I love being a part of a church that says we care about our community and we care about our world. You guys are rock stars. You come together every weekend and you worship Jesus with all your heart. You take the Bible seriously. You try to do what we're talking about. But we can't just sit back and go, okay, we're done now. There's more for us to do. And I think I'm looking at a group of people who are willing to do that. So I want to just remind you once again, or maybe this is the first time you've heard this. We have um, invited author Sally Gary to come to our church in a few weeks. And I would love for you to sign up for the Saturday morning experience where she's going to have, she'll also be with us on Sunday morning. And you maybe even want to invite some friends to come to this. This is great. Sally wrote a book called Loves God, Likes Girls. And it's a story of her life. She grew up conservative Church of Christ. And there was a moment in her life she says, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm attracted to other women I don't even know what to do with that I can't tell anybody and for her you just need to know the bottom line for Sally she loves God she said what what God wants God gets but she said I had no one I could talk to about that well at connection we believe that we should be reaching out to everyone because Jesus would reach out to everyone and we need to be willing to at least start a conversation with anyone about what Jesus could do in their life so that's what we call the conference that's what we're calling the weekend starting the conversation uh, I would like to let you know that you can read this book. It's online through our public library. Uh, it's also available right now. You can take this book home if you'd like. I guess I'm done. It just cut out right there. Here, again, just here's the bottom line. Uh, there's just so many ways that we can reach out together as a church. And if, uh, if you would like to ask more about this, because I know that I probably haven't covered very much of this, there's a whole team of people, Donna Merlene Jackson and Rhonda and Michael Page and myself and Jeff Hosey and Aaron Jackson and Brian Boyer. Uh, would be any of us would be willing to talk to you more and answer questions about that look i i just love what god's doing here and i want to challenge you with this today we are a group of people who are gathered together in jesus name and i tell you this i love you all but i can't change you there's nothing i can say that'll transform you i can't give you purpose and meaning in life but jesus can do all of those things and that's why i love to point to jesus every week he's amazing and he can do wonderful things in your life so today, I'm just reminding you of that if you already have followed Jesus, and if you have never said yes to Jesus, today would be a great day for you to do that. Let me pray for you right now. Father, thank you for the love you have for us, that you've drawn us together in your family, and in your wisdom, you drew us together in a church family. And I pray for people who have maybe had a bad connotation, a bad church experience, that you get us past that to see the beauty of what could be that you will help us to lean ever deeper into the life that you've called us to. And I pray for people who are maybe struggling and hurting today that you would just give them comfort and encouragement to do the next right thing. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.